News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. 745. Good morning. Gerald Bowman in for Brent Lokes. Right now in Saskatoon, minus 35, wind chill minus 46. Guaranteed high for today, last day of the year, minus 30. Yesterday in a news conference heard live right here on 650 CKOM, Premier Scott Moe, the health minister, Paul Merriman, Chief Medical Health Officer, Dr. Sakib Shahab, with the latest on COVID. And a lot of people were wondering, could we maybe get some new guidelines, some new restrictions as we head into the new year? Well, the answer in terms of new guidelines or restrictions, uh, no. And joining us this morning, Dr. Joseph Blondeau, clinical microbiologist at Royal University Hospital. Good morning, Dr. Blondeau. Good morning. Yesterday, we learned that anyone who tests positive for COVID using a rapid test uh, can really can isolate immediately and there's no need for a PCR test. You agree with that? Well, we've, we've actually been saying all along that if you used a rapid test and you tested positive, then you should go by that in terms of what your next, next activity should be. So in other words, if, if you're going to take the test and ignore a positive result, then there's no sense taking the test. And so we have said all along that, that if it was positive, then you should accept that as being positive. Uh, and, and then whether or not to have it followed up by a, a PCR test, uh, if you were positive and had a PCR test and it confirmed that you were positive, it meant that the test was right. There have been a couple of instances where, where positive uh, uh, rapid tests have been followed by negative PCR tests, and that just creates a lot of confusion. So I think what, the, what again, I'm not involved in government policy decision, but I think what, what the government is now saying is that if it's positive, Treat it as it's positive and act accordingly. Um, um, do the isolation that's required uh, without any additional need for testing. Yeah, soon into that news conference, we also learned that the uh, province telling us that the isolation period should last about five days instead of 10. So they're lowering that. We've seen that in other provinces as well. Your thoughts on that, doctor? So there's some data that has come out now from a couple of different organizations, including the CDC. Uh, which says that you know, the speed at which Omicron uh, uh, causes disease, uh, in other words, the incubation period, is quicker than it was for Delta. So we might see a, a person exposed and start to show symptoms, say, within the first couple of days, whereas with Delta it might have been, say, three or four days. And similarly, uh, because uh, of, of this particular virus causing milder disease in the majority of people, uh, the period of communicability is, is thought to be in those first couple of days, um, you know, right around the time somebody's incubating the virus and, and before they become fully symptomatic. And that continued shedding seems to go away after the onset of symptoms. Again, this data is still being defined, but that's what some of this early data would seem to show. And as a consequence, it may not be, it may not be necessary then to you know, keep people in isolation for 10 to 14 days as we had to do with, say, uh, the previous variants or the original COVID-19 strain. So I think that that information is starting to look like it's following the science, um, and that's what the science uh, appears to be showing at this point. Suggested yesterday that reducing, like you mentioned, the, the time frame, the self-isolation time frame, will make people use rapid tests even more, which will hopefully break the train of transmission. Safe to say, or I guess you agree with that? Well, uh, it's a possibility. I mean, I think that if you're testing yourself more, uh, then um, you're you're more regularly determining whether or not you're you're positive or negative for this particular virus. And then if you're if you're then guiding your activities based on a positive result, 
uh, presumably then, then you're staying away from people who potentially could be someone that you would transmit the virus to. So, I mean, conceptually, that makes sense um, as so long as people are actually doing that. Our guest this morning, Dr. Joe Blondo, microbiologist, Royal University Hospital. We're hearing from nurses this morning, uh, the opposition NDP as well, telling us that um, the health system, if we continue, you know, at the current pace that we are, and they're expecting hospitalizations to increase as well, with Omicron cases going up, that it could take our health care system to the brink. Well... You know, the, uh, we're still at a period of time with this particular strain where data is being collected and then shared. And there's now three countries that have reported reduced hospitalization rates uh, with Omicron. Um, and those reduced hospitalization rates uh, fluctuate from 30 to 40 percent, as high as 80 percent, 30 to 40 percent being in, in uh, um, data sets that are a little bit smaller than, say, in, in South African uh, and now the American data sets, which are, are starting to gain uh, a lot of power. And and so what they're saying is that we have to be careful about two things. So the first thing is, is that let's just say you uh, broke your ankle and you went to the hospital. And while you're in the hospital, you tested positive for Omicron or you tested positive for COVID. Does that mean that you're a COVID case requiring hospitalization? Probably not. You, you certainly require hospitalization perhaps, but it's not because of COVID. So I think we need to continue to separate the data that's that's showing a person requiring hospitalization because they have COVID uh, versus somebody who requires hospitalization for another reason but just happens to test positive for COVID because those are two very, very different data sets. But, but I think the other concern is, as we move forward, is that it, with a hot, more highly transmissible virus, even with a lower percentage of the population requiring hospitalization, if you infect more people, then it just becomes a numbers game. So in other words, if it was 1% of only 1,000 people getting infected, that's a different number than 1% of 100,000 people getting infected. And so the concern still lies with what those hospitalizations might look like in people, in people who do, in fact, get infected and do require hospitalization as a result of the virus. And, and unfortunately, none of us have crystal balls to predict what that's going to look like, uh, but that's, that's a legitimate concern. N95 masks, for most of us, kind of hard to come by. Yep. Should we consider doubling up on the masks that we use now? Yeah, we actually had made this recommendation last week or the week before, actually saying that you know if you can get your hands on an N95 and if it fits your face properly, uh, then that's probably the best protection that you have out there. But in the absence of that, because I do know that they're hard to, to come by, then, uh, then doubling up with surgical masks uh, would be the next best thing. And surgical masks, uh, depending on uh, what data you look at, they, they have efficacy that, that can be somewhere in that 30 to 40% range. So if you double up, then, then clearly you're getting more uh, protection. But once again, you have to be wearing the mask properly. So if you're a person who puts it on, and you're wearing it below your nose, and that's offering no protection. Similarly, if you're putting it on and you have these large gaps on the side of the mask where they're sort of puckered up, if you will, um, then once again, they're not offering the same level of protection as somebody who's wearing a mask that's more tightly fitted to their, uh, to their face. And this is important with this particular variant of Omicron because we know it's much more highly contagious. Um, and, um, you know, any opportunity that it has to make its way into your, your upper airway system, it's going to take it. And so uh, double masking is, is very, very reasonable in the absence of not having N95s. I also will say that, you know, for those that are wearing cloth masks, 
there, there's absolutely no standard by which we can look at to say that this cloth mask is as good as, say, an N95 or a surgical mask or better than another cloth mask. And there are some folks in the field that are saying cloth masks are absolutely useless. So, uh, so if you were a person wearing a cloth mask, I, I would consider, you know, for your own sake and protection of you and your family, that you might want to consider uh, switching to a different mask. Any New Year's Eve suggestions uh, when it comes to gatherings for tonight? Uh, you know, um, I would say keep your gatherings as small as possible. I know we're all tired of this virus and we really want to have something to celebrate, but, but this virus is highly contagious. And, and as a consequence, uh, even short gatherings um, uh, could be an event where you'd see the virus spread. And um, as a consequence, I think we have to we have to sort of, you know, restrict our activities one more time and, and hopefully get past this thing. Mm-hmm. Dr. Blondo, thank you so much for your time this morning and all the best in the new year. And Happy New Year to you and everyone listening. Thank you. Yeah, clinical biologist Dr. Joe Blondo.